2: let's begin hello and welcome to a very special edition of the rv podcast today we are having the first rv book fair we will be publishing some episodes where we get to know some of our favorite authors a little better our first guest today is wendy lee baldwin wendy tells us a little bit about her journey
3: hi I'm Wendy Lee Baldwin, and the author of Healing Your Soul in a Chaotic World, Defying the Odds of Sanity and Survival. It's an unconventional blueprint for letting go and transforming your life. This book is for you if you have ever experienced betrayal from a loved one, somebody that you trusted, if you ever felt abandoned, experienced rejection, shame, feeling unworthy, a doormat, making apologies for being alive and taking up space in this world. If you've ever experienced death or divorce, if you've ever experienced any kind of abuse, whether it be physical, emotional, or self abuse, if you have any connection to any of those, and this is a story that you will want to read, my book is divided into four parts. First part is we call the mess inside. This is where the story starts, you know, back at uh, the very beginning, literally. I take readers in uh, first person. So they go through all of the experiences with me. And and starting at the book was where my biological father uh, abused my birth mother while she was pregnant with me. And as science is showing, you know, there's the body-mind connection where, and also where the, the fetus can uh, and does absorb the energy of the mother and take on the mother's emotions as its emotions and is aware of what is going on on the outside world. That is where a lot of the trauma started. And it just built from there. Just in brief, I don't want to give everything away. uh, But I was I had a lot of a situations where I was abandoned and I felt very rejected, felt very unloved. Uh, For example, a big one is when I was 10 years old, my parents bought me a one-way ticket out of state to go live in a religious commune. I had no idea if I'd ever see my family again. Now, I don't know if you can even begin to imagine what it would be like to be a 10-year-old sent away from a family and uh, having no, no clue what was going to happen in your future. And again, not knowing if you're going to see your family ever while I was there, I actually, uh, was traumatized. And I later as an adult learned that I actually ended up with PTSD from that experience. And while I was there, I was so low, so depressed that uh, one day I took myself out into the woods with the intention of getting lost and never found because I wanted to die. I, I, Thankfully, I obviously survived and went on to tail my tail. And there was only very one small portion of it. There was other abuses that I experienced. Uh, and I ended up starting to abuse myself because there's this phenomenon that when someone has been abused, they actually start abusing themselves when the abuser isn't around. And I abused myself through the overuse of alcohol and, um, Cheetos (laughs) was my, my best snack and sugar, because when I sat and numbed myself with alcohol and junk food, it just made the pain go away temporarily. I found myself actually living outside of my body, very, uh, detached and, um, I had so many emotions that I was unable to express and they just built up over time. And that created disease in my body. I actually ended up with um, a few illnesses. And, um, at one point I, I had one doctor fire me. Uh, I had, uh, cause I wanted to do holistic ways to heal myself. I had another doctor throw his hands up. He was very scared for me. Cause he was testing me for colon cancer every three months. Um, and I had other doctors tell me that I was fine and I wasn't, I said, there's something very wrong with me, but, um, bless their hearts, you know, looking back, that was a gift that they rejected me of sorts because it, it, uh, spurred me on, on my path. So part two of my book is you could describe as my soul's awakening or the dark night of my soul. It's where I really hit rock bottom. You know, you can think that you hit rock bottom and <laughs> you might be surprised, but there can always be another bottom. It was a a really, uh, not a pretty experience. I'll tell you the, the waking up of my soul, because the emotions that I had fought so hard to keep buried were popping up to the surface. Memories from childhood and past relationships were popping up to the surface and I just could not keep them squashed down. What I discovered was the importance of addressing those and that they come up for a reason. And that reason is to be addressed because when you address them, then you get to heal yourself, you heal your heart, you heal your your wounded inner child, you heal your soul. And it's the most amazing gift that you can give to yourself. And before I got through the, the, the real darkness, I hit, uh, some more really serious lows where I was seriously contemplating killing myself at the time. My, uh, my first husband and I, as well as our, our daughter and uh, oldest granddaughter were living on the 23rd floor on an apartment in Hawaii, and I was so in such a dark space that my mind started just imagining myself and my brain was telling myself, you know, all I had to do was put one leg over the rail and then the other one, and then I could free fall down 23 stories and that would be it. Another idea that crossed my mind was, you know, we have a a bus system and and where we lived at the time was right there. It was um, a lot of buses going by and uh, even though it was downtown, uh, they still drove pretty fast. It would take nothing but, you know, to step out in front of a bus. Thankfully, there was a little voice inside of me that convinced me to do otherwise and actually I, I credit my granddaughter at the time. I only had one at the time with her helping to save me because she gave me a reason to live is what I felt, uh, was her. I lived for her. It's like I made a promise and a vow to stay alive, to help take care of this little girl. The third part of my book is, um, could say more of the transformation, the, the, um, How do I want to say this? This is where I started asking more questions. I actually started asking, who am I? Because as I'm going through this transition uh, from the old self, you know, who's healing all of the the feelings of the, the pain and the suffering from the past, and I'm heading in this direction that is foreign and it's scary and very confusing. And I remember asking, who am I? And I sat down and I actually wrote a soliloquy about asking, who am I? And it's something that I'll read just a portion of it to you because it's a little bit long and uh, you can read the whole thing in my book. But here it goes, just a small portion of it. Who am I? What will my life look like now that I'm no longer hating anyone, especially myself? What will my life smell like as I go through my day-to-day routine? feeling my heart burst with love and joy, bringing tears that gently roll over my high cheekbones. What will my life taste like now that I've spat out the bitterness of decades past, self-loathing, no longer poisoning and dulling my taste buds? Will it taste like the salty ocean breeze on a warm summer day? Or like melting pineapple ice cream dripping down my fingers, the sweet tart fruit stinging my tongue followed by the pool of wetness, moistening my parched mouth. Will it taste like chocolate pudding, inviting me to take another bite of its gooey sweetness as it comes, coats my soul? Where will I go and live out my days? The world is mighty and large, yet only a small portion of earth calls out to me, and even then my heart and soul are torn, torn between the beauty, the familiarity, the feeling of being home, and the sense of new adventure." What will my children and granddaughter think as they watch me discovering who I am, morphing into someone they don't recognize? Will they be open to seeing me as I am now through their own eyes? Or will they long to view me through tinted lenses of their childhood? Will they accept me as the expression of the expansive soul I seek to unfold in front of their lives, silently showing them that they too can follow their inner calling and discover greatness about themselves they might have otherwise be afraid to explore? Or will they long for familiarity and safety of the harder-edged ghost of my past? Am I brave enough to discover who I am? Or do I shrink back and let others define me, keeping me in a vice grip that is safe for them, but choking me of air and expansion? Am I brave enough to listen to my soul's calling to reach out, to explore, be open to great wonders that not even my mind's eye can create from this current vantage point? I'm not sure who I am. But I do know that I am a brave and peaceful warrior, even through the fear. My past experience in this lifetime stands beside me like an invisible partner, assuring me that I can do anything I set my focus on. It lovingly reminds me of the times I nearly let go and caved to the pressure of the pain, but instead reached inside a vast hidden cavern and held out a dose of strength I didn't know I had. My past reminds me that I hear the sounds of a greater source guiding me, whispering throughout my being, assuring me that that I am love and that I deserve all that my heart desires, egging me on to the unknown. I am eager to experience every second as my new life unfolds out before me like a map in which I use 64 colors of crayons to draw on the roads and terrain where I choose a freeway or me- meandering side road that offers scenery of six shades of green and yellow that I'd miss if I took the fast lane where I connect the dots. Yes, I am brave enough to live two lives on this one lifetime. One of pain and suffering one of surrendering to the universe and discovering who I really am. Do you know who you are? If not, are you brave enough to find out? That my friend is a question I'd like to ask you. Do you know who you are? And if you're not sure, are you willing to find out who you are? I know that you are a beautiful being of light, but it's up to you to discover that for yourself. And I encourage you and I encourage my clients that I work with and the people that read this book to do the same. You know, some of the feedback that I've received from my book so far is that people say that um, they heal. They start to heal by reading my story. And that was the inspiration for me to actually publish this book is to be a guide, a beacon of hope, a way shower that you can change your life. You know, you don't have to be stuck with where you are. You don't have to be stuck with lack or unhappiness, happiness, uh, sadness, grief. There are options out there. One of the testimonials that I read here really quick says sometimes the human experience is one riddled with pain and confusion, but sometimes it is those very things that cause the greatest shakeup and shake out of what's not working in our lives. These times clear up space for the good stuff to come in. They are the catalyst to our transformation. In this book, Wendy shares her experiential journey as an example of how to evolve into a place of truth, inner peace, and to step into the power of your own becoming. It's a must-read to help you align with your joy. And that's by Nicole Gabriel, author of Finding Your Inner Truth and Stepping into Your Becoming. You know, I have a, a quote in here that um, really, I think, sums up the bulk of everything. And uh, it's by Elana Van Zandt And Yesterday I Cried. And I apologize if I did not say her name correctly. Uh, I love and adore her. But she says, until you heal the wounds of your past, you're going to bleed You can bandage the bleeding with food, with alcohol, with drugs, with work, with cigarettes, with sex, but eventually it will all ooze through and stain your life. You must find strength to open the wounds, stick your hands inside, pull out the core of the pain that is holding you in your past, the memories that makes peace with them, and make peace with them. I thought that was beautifully summed everything up. Again, that was a quote from, um, I'm sorry. Um, Ilana Van Zandt, yesterday I cried. Again, I apologize humbly. I don't think that I said that properly, but I think you know who I'm talking about. She's a beautiful human being. And because it's so important to heal, Uh, I do have in the back of my book, there's a special self-help section is called the secret formula to your best life ever It's for the readers that are ready to jump in and start on their healing journey, so that they can get to the transformation, eventually that I got to and what I got to was a place of gratitude. You know, my story is not a story of who did what to hurt me. It's a story of the key players on how I responded to the situations and the blessings and the growth that I received from having these key players in my life. As crazy as it sounds, I am seriously very grateful for everyone that has crossed my path that has helped me to be a better person. It is my hope that you if you find yourself on this healing journey will give yourself the grace and the space and the self-love to continue on your journey and whatever that looks like for you and to honor yourself and when you will know that you have reached a new uh horizon when you can find that gratitude and it might sound like it's a far off thing for right now but um it's definitely possible in being gratitude for life and knowing that every day is worth living. It's very, one of the things that's very important to me with everyone that I meet, for every book that goes out, it's important that the readers, the people know that you are loved and that you matter. Wherever you are in life, I wish you all the best. And if my book can be of any source of hope, transformation then it will be worth putting myself out there on the line being totally vulnerable (laughs) i'm so vulnerable that i almost didn't publish my book but then i got to the big understanding that my story is no longer my story it's your story and when i put the focus like that and remember that this is actually all about you How powerful is that? Because this is about you. So with that, my friends, again, just remember that you are loved and that you matter. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy reading Healing Your Soul in a Chaotic World, Defying the Odds of Sanity and Survival by Wendy Lee Baldwin, available on Amazon, as well as my website, alignwithjoy.com. Thank you
1: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
0: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Our next guest today is Ron Hammond. Ron talks to us about kindness and compassion.
1: My name is Ron Hammond, and I am the author of the book, Live Your Humanity. A book is a roadmap that details how all of us can experience a life of meaning and connection, which I believe leads to ultimate satisfaction with one's life overall. The crux of the book is that we need one another not just to survive, but to thrive as well. I've been asked many times how I came up with the topics that I explore in the book, and I always say that the values that I discuss, such as kindness, love, empathy and compassion, for example, are all values that each of us come off of the factory floor with, but sometimes a busy and hectic life can force us into our heads, causing us to forget that we're all connected with each other and that we really do need one another to fully thrive and experience all of life's magic. There's one particular day that stands out in my mind as the major Kickstarter for the book. I had an experience that's not all that unique and is most likely very common to each of us. While running a few errands on a Saturday morning, I came very close to being involved in a car accident that had the potential to be pretty serious. It was completely avoidable and was due to another driver being in a hurry to get to their destination, switching lanes at a high rate of speed and cutting off other drivers without any regard for them. There were many cars on this busy stretch of road and this person's actions had the potential to create a fairly significant accident that could have impacted at least seven other drivers along with their passengers. While there was no physical impact to anyone except for maybe a few frayed nerves, it did make me reflect on how my actions were perceived by other people and how I could do a better job with how I show up in the world. As I was reflecting back on this event, I found myself thinking about my past life living and working in the Washington DC area in the United States. This was in the mid to late nineties. And at the time there was a lot of homelessness in the city. Every day I would drive by these weary homeless people huddled over the steam grates in the sidewalks, searching for warmth from the bitter cold winter temperatures. While I sat there in in my warm car, Admittedly, I didn't think all that much about these people at the time, but that changed for me one day many years later. It was a Monday, which is the day that the city that I live in now collects the trash from the alley behind my home. Shortly after collection, I was pulling the trash cans inside of the gate that leads to the backyard, off in my head deep in thought about something trivial, I'm sure, when I noticed a homeless man sitting against my garage door. He looked at me nervously and told me that he would only be there for just a few minutes, that he needed some place quiet to eat his lunch away from the chaos of the homeless camp that he was living in at the time. He asked me to please not contact the police to have him removed, that he would be gone in just a few minutes. He seemed so young, and we struck up a conversation with one another that lasted about a half an hour. He revealed to me that he was college educated, but was unemployed, and was experiencing a tough time in his life due to some past poor decision-making on his part. But, he had a plan and was working on getting out of his current situation. He continued to talk extensively about the chaos and the noise that surrounded him 24 hours a day, and how he wasn't used to living in this type of environment. He was having issues sleeping, and he desperately wanted to exit his current situation. I found myself struck by his intelligence as he talked about his career as a graphic artist before he became homeless and how he grew up in a loving family environment. He told me that he was so embarrassed and didn't want his family to know what had happened to him, they would surely be disappointed and he couldn't bear the thought of letting them down in this way. I felt an overwhelming amount of compassion and empathy for him and noticing that he didn't have any water with his lunch. I offered him a bottle of water to enjoy. Based on his reaction, you would have thought that I had given him the world. He was overwhelmingly grateful for such a small, insignificant act. To me, it didn't seem like what I did was all that much, but to him, it was the world. We eventually parted ways, and I walked away from that situation a changed person. I vowed to myself that I would have more compassionate and empathetic thoughts and actions toward those that have hit a bumpy road in their life, and that I would also be more mindful to those that need me now, especially other drivers that I share the road with every day. This event was a big lesson, highlighting that any time that we judge others, which we're prone to do sometimes, that those thoughts can tell us lies and cloud the true reality of a situation. None of us are fully aware of the struggles that other people go through. All of us have situations in our lives that can sometimes make us feel as if life is too much to take, or is too hard. And this can affect how we in turn show up for others. I really believe that the purpose of our struggles is to not only teach us how to deal with them, but to also teach us how to show empathy and compassion toward one another. We can help each other through the challenges that we will inevitably face through kindness and understanding, not allowing our egos to rush us to judge another situation or life. The only function that these judgments that we have serve is to cut off the flow of love and compassion that all of us need in order to connect and fully thrive. The next time that you find yourself judging someone, Make a conscious effort to replace those judgmental thoughts with thoughts of love and compassion. I really enjoy doing this by sending a silent blessing to someone. A simple phrase in your mind such as, I wish you well today is sufficient. The next time that you're out and about, and you pass a homeless person on the street, or you notice that someone around you is having a tough day, just silently wish them well. This little bit of effort is all it takes. And While you're doing this, notice how you feel inside. That positive feeling that that you're experiencing will help you continue to offer your silent blessings to others as you go throughout your day, positively impacting how you show up for all that you come in contact with. We human beings forget how powerful we truly are and how our thoughts and actions can significantly impact the world. When you offer compassion, empathy and kindness towards other people, they feel seen and heard. This in turn positively impacts how they interact with other people as they go through their day and on and on it goes. One of my favorite quotes by Maya Angelou says, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. These are great words to live by.
2: Next, we have Mary Savaries. Mary tells us a little bit about her writing journey.
4: Hello, I am Mary Kay Savarice, an award-winning, best-selling, traditionally published fiction author and speaker. I am known for my quirky titles, which have lives of their own, that I would love to share with you. So thank you for taking this journey with me. My story begins over 10 years ago. In my heart, I've always had a passion where I wanted to write about fantasy and adventures. And at the time, I've had so many ideas, but working, raising a family, I put everything on the back burner for many years. And it wasn't until finally my firstborn went off to college that I said, well, it's time. And I had to prove to myself first that I could write a manuscript. And now, what's involved with a manuscript is writing possibly 300 pages, which we may consider 90,000 words. And I had to prove that to myself. And I sat down and I began writing out um, with a pencil into a notebook. And finally, after one year, that was completed. And then it took me another six months where I decided to put it on my laptop and I realized that was truly the way to go for me. Because as my ideas just flowed, I wanted them to my characters and and my worlds to be created on paper and it flowed much easier then i spent the next two years at that point in time we still had snail mail and publishers were willing to take a look at your work so i spent the next two years sending out to um, publishing houses and lo and behold What came back was, well, you can write, but it was not what we're interested in. So here began my journey. I had to build a thick skin. It was rejection after rejection. And at the time, I still had such a passion for writing that I decided to move on to my next creative idea and the next manuscript. And then this went on for a good number of years. I was working on my fifth manuscript and at the time the fourth one I had been sending out to publishing houses and at this point several years later we are now dealing with email and rejections coming in a new way and finally a book contract did come in for my second my fourth manuscript which was titled as I said I love to work with quirky titles, Tigers Love, Bubble Bats, and Obsession Perfume, who knew? And I would love to share the story with you of how this title came to be. Several years before that, I had visited a wildlife reserve in St. Augustine, Florida. And um, as part of the tour, the last part of the tour, I had come across this big vat filled, overflowing with bubbles, and I wondered, who was this for? And out walked this beautiful 600-pound Siberian tiger on a plank, looked as though he was taking off his rope, and he slipped into this vat of bubbles. And the wildlife handler sprayed obsession perfume on his tongue. And I said to myself, there's a story here. And I weaved a mystery romance with a supernatural twist around it. And what the theme became, um, became is that this wildlife reserve was a home for old cats. And I don't mean kittens and cats in the sense of cats. I mean big cats, lions and tigers and jaguars and panthers. And they came to this wildlife reserve as their final, it was like a nursing home. It would be their final resting place, as you would say, where they could live and be fed. And they were brought there from possibly movies, TV shows, or where people wanted to keep them as pets until they decided to take their head off. And they arrived at this wildlife reserve in St. Augustine. And the metaphor of these old cats being tossed aside became the storyline. And in Tiger's Love, Bubble Bats, and Obsession Perfume, Who Knew? I um, weaved a story around my protagonist, Angie Pantera, who was also tossed aside like an old shoe after 25 years of marriage. And so um, she has to deal with, as I said, this was a murder mystery. She has to deal with one murder after another. Now is Angie going to be part of these murders? Or will it happen to her as well? And from that point, that was my first book deal. And um, it was exciting, it was thrilling. And I'm very humbled to say that um, Tiger's Love Bubble Bats, and obsession perfume, who knew, garnered five stars from Reader's Favorite. International Royal Dragonfly Best Book, um, American Book Festival, and the Eric Hoffer um, Awards. This was for debut and for mystery, so it became became very humbling. And at this point, you would think, as a published author, uh, it would be easy. But um, authors do discover that um, presenting new ideas aren't necessarily where you think they might be. And um, so I approached a new publishing house, um, Indigner House. And Indigner House is, um, was created. And it's a small publishing house as well. It was created by Lynn Moon who is also an editor and an author in her own right. And she's incredible. And this is an all woman owned um, publishing home. So I was thrilled to sign on with her for a three book deal. And this was, became known as the Star Writers Trilogy. And the first book in the Star Writers Trilogy that I signed with her is, again, a quirky title. As I say, I love to write with quirky titles. The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper. And The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper is a fantasy adventure intertwined with romance. And it has to do with family loyalty and my protagonist, Lily's heart wants what the heart wants until her family's loyalty is tested. She's betrayed by a greedy noble and Lily is imprisoned in the Toile where she remained the girl in the Toile wallpaper forevermore. Now you might ask, what is Toile? Toile is very much part of our everyday lives. It's present as wall covering. It's present as fabric, and it is um, an artistic, creative wallpaper or fabric in that it is two-toned, two beautiful, vibrant colors on a background, and it tells a story. And in my home, I had many toiles. And as I would walk by this wallpaper or fabric, it always um, excited me and fascinated me. And I would say to myself, there's a story there. There's betrayal. There's jealousy. There's love. There's everything. So I weaved the girl in the toile wallpaper around that. And if I may, I would love to share with you as I said, this is the first book in the Star Writers Trilogy. The second book in the Star Writers Trilogy will be available the end of this year. And I would very much love to share with you the um, prologue for the girl in the Toile Wallpaper. It is said, where evil rages, hope prevails. This is not about evil, for hope shall find a way. He watched as the dark shadows swirled across the room. A wind as strong as a summer tornado spun and yet moved nothing. Dante hid in the shadows and the sound of squalls raged through his ears. He inched his way toward the massive windows and darted behind the heavy drapery. His heart raced and he gasped when shards of light flashed through the room and threatened his reality. When a lightning bolt shattered, he winced and stepped deeper into the folds of the fabric. Standing in the middle of the study, a boy held tightly to a girl in his arms. Dante wanted to help them, but how? The evil man's robe glimmered with each wave of his arm. Dante watched in horror as the man threw the sheets of paper onto the floor. His long golden fingernails glowed in the dim light as the pages floated. Each piece crawled toward the couple as if alive. Awkward sounds filled Dante's ears while ghost-like buildings hovered through the air as if they were nothing more than a wisp of smoke. Now a medieval scene flashed before his eyes, and the curtains vibrated in his hands. A flicker of an olive tree, and then a farmhouse, and then a vineyard? Are those sheep? Dante tried to inch closer, but his feet refused to move. He was glued in place behind the drapes. The the ghostly objects disappeared into the paper, and he trembled in terror. The shadows formed into a miniature print, each arranging itself according to the direction of the evil man. The man was painting a distressing scene through the movements of his symphonic hands. The wizard sniped along the floor, and the girl was jerked into the air. She hovered for only a moment before spinning as easily as a spinning wheel. Then, as if no friction ever existed, the girl screamed, and the wind sucked her into the cloth paper. The girl was gone. If you want fantasy, if you want adventure, if you want romance, then please please delve into The Girl in the Twa wallpaper. My book and um, future books within the Star Writers Trilogy are available on Amazon, at Barnes and Noble, and any um, independent bookstore. We love to help support those very much. And if you love um, mystery, and romance intertwined with um, the supernatural twist. Please delve into Tiger's Love, Bubble Bats, and Obsession Perfume, who knew? And again, you can also find that at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and any independent bookstore. Well, thank you so much for going on this journey with me. I loved sharing a little bit about um, my writings and my books. And um, please stay in touch with me on my author's website, which is www.maryksavarese.com. And that is M A R Y K S A V A R E S E.com. And from there, you can join my um, social media sites. And also in the works, as part of my Star Writers Trilogy, um, I have a new website, com, And that's also um, for um, introducing you to the characters within The Girl in the Toile Wallpaper and to bring you into other aspects. Um, the Girl in the Toile Wallpaper has also garnered an award from CIBA for um, a finalist for first place and also for grand prize. So I'm very humbled and thrilled with that award. And um, we wish to feature, feature many things on the Star Writers Trilogy site as well. And um, my review from um, US Review, um, of books has been so wonderful and, again, humbling in that they compared The Girl in the Toile wallpaper to um, Doctor Who and A Wrinkle in Time. So please join me as I continue to love to write uh, wonderful fantasies and create adventures for you. Because as we all know, reality is too real for for many of us. And we love to delve into a fabulous book to help us along in our journey. And um, I wish you the best in your journey and um, I hope you find peace and what you are looking for. And until we meet again, um, my best to you always. Take care.
2: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening, and remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty,